Greetings, I'm John Haspel. Matt Branham and I founded Cross River Meditation Center in 2012. The following is a Dhamma class recording from our center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. Please support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Um, Cody, would you read the our purpose statement and Sangha guidelines? Sure. Um, Becoming Buddha Cross River Meditation Center preserves and presents Human Buddha's Dhamma initially recorded as the second book of the Pali Canon, the Sutta Pitaka. The practice is informed from over 300 curated suttas restored by John to their original intent for practical focus. The practice is empty of imagined insight, magical thinking, mystical grasping after, and unfounded speculation. Our teachers and students remain focused on these suttas to develop a direct mindful experience of establishing a well-concentrated, supple, and conflict-free mind through the Eightfold Path. It is the Eightfold Path that Siddhartha Gautama taught over the last 45 years of his life with the sole purpose of abandoning self-inflicted stress and suffering through ending ignorance of Four Noble Truths. <clears throat> BBCRMC Sangha class guidelines. Patamoksha means towards liberation. These guidelines support a well-informed and well-focused Sangha and establish the most effective environment for Dhamma practice always focused on liberation from ignorance. Becoming Buddha Cross River Meditation Center is a true refuge from chaos in the world and ideological contradictions and foundational confusion prevalent in modern Buddhism by common agreement. Our practice is framed by the Eightfold Path, which, is, which establishes a skillful balance of jhana meditation, sutta study, sangha participation, and daily individual dhamma practice. When gathered for dhamma class, we refer only to the Buddha's dhamma as restored by John and presented by our teachers. When gathered as a Sangha, we accept responsibility for maintaining the gentle integrity of our Sangha. When gathered as a Sangha, we are free of grasping after magical, mystical, and speculative concepts and fabricated experiences. When gathered as a Sangha, we practice wise restraint. <coughs> Questions or confusion about verbiage or arising from comparisons to other modern Buddhist practices, modern Buddhist teachers, or what they are teaching are not a part of our Dhamma class or Sangha discussions and should be addressed directly to our teachers outside of Dhamma class. Individual class suttas are linked in our newsletter for home study prior to class. Thank you, Cody. Um, so as I said earlier, this is the uh, 35th and final class of our Jhana review. Um, and you'll see how our guidelines are reflected in what the Buddha teaches in this uh, sutta, the Dhamma Vaharan Sutta, which means one who dwells in the Dhamma. And there's an explanation within the sutta. Uh, but this is what uh, skillful Dhamma practice should look like. It's what you're all developing. And eventually you'll be in that place where you're just dwelling in the Dhamma, which means the Eightfold Path is your framework and guidance for each and every moment of your life. It doesn't mean that you're always thinking about 
what part of the eightfold path is this? It'll be a natural um, expression of who you are. I'm going to read the introduction too. In the Dhamma Viharan Sutta, the Buddha teaches that when engaging with the Dhamma to keep his Dhamma pure and as taught, rather than grasping after and clinging to mere intellectual study or comparing or inclusion of later developed sutras such as a lotus heart, diamond, or platform, and it's a, a few others, but not many, or the Abhidhamma, which is favored by the Theravadan Buddhism. He teaches those he teaches that those that do that do will not develop cessation of craving after and clinging to views ignorant of four noble truths and the con confusion and suffering that follows. The Buddha also teaches here that simply describing the Dhamma to another or contemplating the Dhamma or ritualizing the Dhamma through chanting and other repetitive distractions does not result in one who dwells in the Dhamma. Um, Keep going. Dwelling means that in thought, word, and deed, one is animated by the heart of the Dhamma, the Eightfold Path. The Buddha's words. One neglects seclusion and does not commit to developing the concentration that rests in refined mindfulness. This one does not dwell in the Dhamma. And that's in reference to the four foundations of mindfulness, which results in a complete or an incomplete practice. The sutta teaches the importance of a complete Dhamma practice of appropriate study, appropriate mindfulness, appropriate restraint, and a useful and effective jhana meditation practice. That last, the next to the last part there, appropriate restraint means that you have integrated the Eightfold Path or you, you are integrating it as best you can in the moment. And so that Eightfold Path is a limiting path. It limits grasping after and clinging to uh, I think that's probably one of the most difficult things for people to come to grips with in the beginning of, because we're almost from the minute we're born, we're kind of taught that life is about what you can get. And it's not about that. Life is about understanding what it means to be a human being. And if I'm always grasping at more and more and more, I'm never going to be satisfied with right here and right now. It's a simple way of looking at this very simple eightfold path. The problem is that our minds are very complicated and conditioned away from this understanding. The, the, the part of the word of ignorant of four, four noble truths is ignore. And when we're ignorant of four noble truths, we're compelled to continue to develop strategies, sometimes very powerful strategies, to ignore what's obvious, these four noble truths. Um, okay. the Dhamma Viharan Sutta, one who dwells in the Dhamma. On one occasion, a certain monk went to the Buddha, bowed and sat to one side. He asked the teacher, what is the meaning of one who dwells in the Dhamma? The Buddha replied, there is a case where a Dhamma practitioner may spend the day in Dhamma study. They may investigate the dialogues and narratives of prose and verse, the spontaneous exclamations and quotations, the stories of birth and amazing events, and the question and answer sessions. If this one neglects seclusion and does not commit to developing the concentration or jhana that rests in refined mindfulness, this one does not dwell in the Dhamma. I have a, um, I'm only saying this because I've talked to him about it. I have a cousin of mine, his name is Carl Olson, and he's recognized as one of the foremost uh, 
scholars and authorities on com comparative Eastern religions. And he wrote quite a few very thick books that are almost impossible to understand. He's, he's a brilliant person and he probably knows more about Buddhism than anybody, including me, but he doesn't practice any of it. And he's never meditated a moment in his life. And that's just an example of somebody who's just, their whole practice is just intellectualizing. And if you don't get down to basics, meaning jhana meditation, so that you can develop the concentration necessary to hold in mind the Eightfold Path, there is no Dhamma practice. But if you want some interesting books, Carl Olson, you can understand them. The Buddha continues, there is a case where a Dhamma practitioner may have heard the Dhamma and have studied the Dhamma. They may spend their days describing the Dhamma. If this one neglects seclusion and does not commit to developing the concentration that rests in refined mindfulness, this one does not dwell in the Dhamma. Then there is a case where a Dhamma practitioner has heard and studied the Dhamma. They spend their days reciting the Dhamma or chanting. If this one neglects seclusion and does not commit to developing the concentration that rests in refined mindfulness, this one does not dwell in the Dhamma. There is a case where a Dhamma practitioner has heard and studied the Dhamma. They spend their days thinking about, examining, and evaluating the Dhamma with their intellect. If this one neglects seclusion and does not commit to developing the concentration that rests in refined mindfulness, this one does not dwell in the Dhamma. Then there is a case where a Dhamma practitioner has studied the Dhamma. They have investigated the dialogues and narratives of prose, prose and verse, the spontaneous exclamation <clears throat> and quotations, the stories of birth and amazing events, and question and answer sessions. They do not spend the day in only Dhamma study and do not neglect seclusion. They commit themselves to develop the concentration that rests in refined mindfulness. This Dhamma practitioner dwells in the Dhamma, the complete practice. And the Buddha says, I have taught you about the person who is keen on study, keen on description, keen on recitations, keen on thinking, and on those that dwell in the Dhamma. Whatever, I love this line, whatever a teacher should do out of sympathy for you and seeking your welfare, I have done for you. From 2,600 years ago, it still has a lot of meaning, doesn't it? Then the Buddha says, over there are roots of trees and empty dwellings. Meaning, go find a place for seclusion and meditate. He says, don't be mindless. Don't fall into regret. Practice right meditation and develop meditative absorption. Oh, <laughs> that's today's sutta. Um, so maybe you, we could talk a little bit, but you can talk about anything you want. We have a rather large class, so you know, try to keep your comments or questions to a couple minutes. Um, but if you want to think about how you dwell in the Dhamma uh, and what that's like, if that has meaning for you, then please do so. And I think we're going to start with Mary. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, John. Good morning, everyone. Um, I guess I'm, I'm brought to mind of, um, you know, we're all going into the Thanksgiving holidays and how do we yeah, Mary, Hold on one second. There's a marching band in the, in the room. 
Okay, Mary, sorry about that. Well, I'll just be brief. I was just thinking about how we can all bring our Dhamma practice into um, our Thanksgiving practice, whatever that is, in our families, you know, that sort of a premeditated strategy on how to have a calm and peaceful day um, at Thanksgiving, um, how to find isolation in a crowd. I'm from a big family, so I know how to do that. And, um, but how to, uh, you know, remain peaceful and at our best so that we have a great day, but everybody around us um, can witness us having a great day because we're privately practicing, um, you know, what the Buddha taught us. So that, that, that's what's on my mind. Thank yeah. you, John. Thank you for that. that yeah, it reminds me of the, the big holidays in the Haspel House. I mostly stayed away. <laughs> Get there early, leave late, and late, and but leave that's early. Not, that's not no, the way. That's no, not the way the Buddha would. So. Kidding. No, it, it was. Um, I had a big family too, and and uh, my brothers were like I I was when I was younger, meaning they drink a lot, they do a lot of drugs. They never stopped, and so it it, it, be, it was interesting at times there. The, uh, and my mother used to say, you're so quiet, John, you're so quiet. Sober. But you're right, Mary, we have, a, as we end conflict in our own minds, we're at, we won't bring conflict into the world. And it's exactly like that. We, just, we have control of our thoughts, our words, and our deeds. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Mary. Hi, Brian. Morning, John. Morning, everybody. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I love the, the emphasis on seclusion, right? And it's, it's not just physical seclusion, it's seclusion from sensuality, seclusion from sensual pleasures, seclusion from thought, right? All of that stuff that pulls us away from the present moment, moment pulls us away from our mindfulness and the, the call to action of don't fall <laughs> into regret. Go practice and, and all of the words and all of the talking and all of the whatever you've got to go sit and you've got to practice. That's where it culminates. So thank yep. you. Thanks, Brian. Sadika, how are you today? Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm good. Thank you. I'm just I have a lot in my mind and it, I really find uh, meditation helpful. Help me to uh, focus, help me to concentrate on one thing. It's a little difficult, but I'm practicing, trying. So thank you for yeah, having me. Uh, I'm glad you joined us. And yeah, just, just be very gentle with yourself and just do the best you can. That's all anybody can do, right? Thanks, Adika. Good morning, Jen. Hey Jen. Oh boy, had to get to the had to get to the page where I could unmute myself. Sorry. Here we are. Um, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm thinking about um how what a relief it is to 
to be able to um, uh, have concentration and bring uh, mindfulness back even, uh, you know, if it gets lost momentarily, you know, it's just more, more and more moments of, of relief, uh, you know, the, the, the more concentrated you are and the deeper your practice becomes. So yeah. thank you. Thank you, Jen. Tom. Um, morning. Well, yeah, morning, afternoon, um, John and everyone. Um, yeah, it's a good reminder for me, this suitor in particular, because I, um, I tend to, I'm, I, I naturally get energy from being around people and being, um, in sort of social environments. But I also know that that does, uh, I find it difficult to practice the Dharma when I'm in those environments. Mm -hmm. So it's a constant sort of um, process for me of getting that right balance between sort of recharging the batteries, getting the focus in seclusion so that then I can actually live in the world in a way which is kind of aligned with the Dharma. And uh, it, it's all about prioritizing time in seclusion because you can live in the world as long as you set aside enough time um, to also be in seclusion. I mean, you can do both um, if you commit to it and you, and you apply right effort. So this, this suit is just a good reminder for me of that and I need to do that. So thank you. Thank you, Tom. Lewis, it's good to see you. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm glad you joined us. It's been a little while. Yeah, we emailed a couple years ago. Yep. Um, I have nothing to add. Uh, just uh, going through the human condition, trying to find a, a friendly, friendly port to dock my boat. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, nothing to add. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, Lewis. Mm -hmm. uh, does anybody not want to be on camera? Uh, I'm going to start with Zach. How are you, Zach? Doing well. Thank you for teaching, John. Thank you. Um, wow, I don't have anything to add this morning as it relates to this sutta that hasn't already been commented on. But uh, as I reflect, this is my first full study with the Sangha. Okay. Um, yeah, it came through very early on in the Dhammapada, probably last four or five. So this has been my first full, full crack at one. Yeah, and, uh, good start. And, uh, seeing the positive effects of dwelling more frequently in the Dhamma. Yeah. That's important too. Thank you. And I do Thank you. jump a little bit early today, um, but I will see everyone. Oh, so we'll see tonight. you. Yeah. It's 20 after 9 if you need to know. Raquel, how are you? It's kind of funny today. Everyone, thanks for teaching. Yeah, I was identifying myself with what Tom mentioned about, you know, being in social settings, especially having a big family and friends. And it's hard to need to 
remember to stay focused and practice. Um, and welcome uh, to working in progress. Thanks, Raquel. Hello, Becky. Hello, everybody. Sangha mom. Thank you for teaching, John. Um, now, this was a perfect ending mm. for this review. Just dwelling in the Dharma means doing the, the complete ball of wax. You can't, <laughs> yeah. you can't leave, you can't leave anything out. Yeah. And, uh, even though you may go through your day and may spend, may come back to your breath and come back to your mindfulness and realize when your mind is agitated and yeah. come back to that that place where you know, or come back to the, the thankfulness, like Jen said, where you yeah. know that what you have to do, you can't do that without meditating yeah. you have to you have to meditate or all of or that just fades away it doesn't it doesn't happen yeah so um yeah this was a great great reminder of that and um great reminder of how comforting it is to be able to dwell in the dhamma as much as possible yeah isn't it yeah it's, it's a rather exquisite piece when you connect with it isn't it Yes. Yeah. Thanks, Becky. Thank you. Hi, Julia. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, John, for the teaching. Oh, I got you. Um, <laughs> plus, every, echoing everyone's thoughts and just adding my personal reflection. I'm right around my six-month mark with the Sangha, and this is my first ever uh, engagement with anything related to Buddhist teachings. So I'm grateful to have started here. Yeah, you're lucky. Yeah. Um, this teaching made me realize in my own practice um, how nice it is to be able to get back on the wagon. Yeah. And so e how easy it is. And it's just a breath away. Huh? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And there's not, I don't think there's anything else in life that can be so gentle, that you can yeah. be so gentle about re-engaging with. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that is just really great. So thank you yeah. for this first full round for me as well. And uh, looking forward to the next one. Yeah, I, I'm glad you joined us for it. Um, yeah, let's go to, to Tracy. Tracy, how are you? I'm well. Thanks, you John. Thanks for the teaching. Sorry. When I was listening to this um, teaching, and the, the Buddha was referencing the chanting and the reading and the studying, and it, it made me think about the last week in my life and all of the things I've been trying to do to get to the solution to the problem of whatever and I've had a very a week filled with a lot of suffering um, because I'm t thinking too much not practicing enough um, and getting caught in all these other 
I guess you can call them practices that aren't the Dhamma mm. and wondering why I can't get to the root of it, you know, um, whatever the issue is. Um, and this reminded me, or maybe it wasn't even a reminder, but almost like a finally feeling like maybe this is all I need. I don't need all these other practices that are just not, that's just, it feels like a spiraling, you know? Yeah. So chanting as compared to the modern day version of chanting, which would be some sort of daily rituals of journaling or psycho psychotherapy or whatever it is you're also doing. Mm -hmm. It's just, it doesn't make me feel better, you know? Yeah. But what does is like, you know, the whole ball of wax <laughs> yeah. doing this yeah. is the only thing. And I might, this teaching may have, may have helped me to make the, the decision to just do this. And even if it's an experiment to see, you know, do the, doing the research to see if this is all I need. Yeah. I think it is. I don't want to think about it too much, but I, I think I think it is too. too. And so. that's why the Buddha taught. I mean, you know, I think about this point from twenty six hundred years ago, and every word in this is relevant to our practice today, isn't it? Yeah, very helpful and very necessary for me to hear. So I appreciate it so much. Thank you, Tracy. It just it, it the suggestion. I think you already touched on it. Is you don't have to give up other practices forever. But give them up for a while, just to just so you can focus on this and see what it does for you. Because that's the only way you can know anyway. Yeah. Thank I you. What's that? I think I get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun, isn't it, when you start falling into place? I think I can't tell if anybody's on camera. I think you're on camera, Bridget. Yeah, that's you. How are you, Bridget? kind of touching on what um, Tracy was just saying. I had a similar kind of thought uh, early on about, uh, well, I'll just do just this for a while. And I'll put those other things, some of which I was attached <coughs> to, had fondness for because they had served me on time. And uh, this past week, I had a, like, you know, an email that comes through associated with one of those practices that I just haven't unsubscribed to yet. And I thought, oh, I wonder if there's something there for me. And I opened it and I looked at it and I was like, no, there's nothing there for me. And I hadn't checked that particular practice, you know, in a while. So I unsubscribed and I felt good to release that mm -hmm. and to acknowledge that uh, it may have felt useful. It may have even been useful in a moment in the past, but it felt good to be able to let go of it without feeling like um, I needed this life raft in the yeah. background. Mm -hmm. um, and then... The teaching today was making me think about how at moments during my week, tired, busy, stressed out, and there's moments where I catch myself thinking of my practice as one more thing I have to do. Mm -hmm. And this felt like a reminder that if I feel my mind relating to the Dhamma that way, that I need to seek seclusion and really yeah. afford myself the release and the you know joyful engagement with the Dhamma to remember 
that this isn't like other practices or mindfulness techniques mm -hmm. that have always proven to be just one more thing I think I should do to feel better. Yeah. That if my dharma has started to feel that way, I just need to, you know, connect my mind and body, return to the breath and remind myself that this isn't that's one more thing I need to do, that it is something that can offer me refuge. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Bridget. That, you, you, and that's Dhamma practice, isn't it? You know, and I, I think you're being very gentle with yourself and just letting it come to you. Uh, when you think about the scope of what we're actually doing here, we're changing everything in our minds. And that's very difficult. Human beings seem to have a hard time changing their mind over anything. Even when you see something that you know is helpful, it's, you still got to... That's why the, the sixth factor of the Eightfold Path is right effort. And it's just a reminder. Just keep going. Just keep going and be gentle with yourself. And the benefits are, uh, they're worth the trip, aren't they? Worth the price of admission. So, thank you. Cody. Good morning. Good morning. Um, there you are. Just thinking about uh, just listening to what everybody was saying. Um, thinking about Sumangala and um, the audacity of saying I am free um, but the relief in that like if I if I dwell in the Dhamma like the audacity to say that I can dwell in the Dhamma is like yeah, maybe I can't do it perfectly, or maybe I can't do it all the time. But um, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago we were talking about the hindrances and how they can feed each other, and that doubt and uncertainty um, being a hindrance. So if I say that I can dwell in the Dhamma, I cannot also live in doubt and uncertainty. And I have to be mm -hmm. able to say, I am free, if only in this moment. Mm -hmm. And I think you can only be free in the, in this moment, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so taking that seclusion and practicing, you know, um, yeah, we I, like I I feel like I. I need the suttas, I need the sangha, I need all of it. Yep. Um, but without practicing, I don't experience any of it. That's right. Um, it's the it's the foundation. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's that's all. That's great. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's it's just like that, isn't it? You're you're integrating the dharma. Obviously, you're recognizing the benefits. You're recognizing when you're off the path, and that's just as important. It's when we when we find ourselves off the path. That's not the time for to beat ourselves up. You know, that's part of our old way of thinking. You know, that we're, we're conditioned to to find something wrong, beat ourselves up for a day or a week or a year, and then maybe it'll change. It just doesn't work. But if we can be, who said gentle? Was it you, Tracy? How? 
this gentle practice, if we can just keep that going, keep that gentleness going, because it is. There's nothing harsh about the Dhamma, but our, our minds can think it's harsh. You know, I can't do this. I can't, I can't sit for five minutes and do nothing. It's an amazing thing that adult human beings have such a hard time sitting and being quiet. But we do. I mean, it, it should be the easiest thing to do, but our minds are just always grasping after and clinging to the next thing until we develop this concentration. And then we free ourselves, as Sumangala and Sumangala's mother did. Thanks, Cody. Hi, Ram. What's the matter with this camera? Tuka. <laughs> Electronic Tuka. Thank you, um, yeah, I come from a background where there are always many paths uh, to investigate and, and practice. I mean, you have to do this, and, and you can't get anywhere without doing some of that. And this and that, the other thing. And the, the relief of finding this, you know, in, in all its uh, simplicity. And um, and it's restraint, you know. Uh, it's yeah. just because uh, I'm still surrounded by you know, you know, all these advices I get. Now you should do this, and you have to do this. And there's this wonderful thing coming up, and you want to join in. And, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm, good. I'm, I'm here. I'm practicing. And uh, it's not always easy, but um, the solidity of it is just, mm -hmm. uh, you know, after, you know, after a, a lifetime of snippets of things, uh, it's just, ah, here's a whole thing. Here's, here's the whole enchilada. Yep. The whole ball of wax. The whole ball of wax. Um, and you know that's that's the practice. Yeah. Um, and when you can do that uh, in a family setting, that's even better. You know? That's yeah. always for me. That's always the biggest test. You know, will will it stand up to mom, or or will it stand up to to you know the, the family, you know, especially um, uh, Thanksgiving dinners, you know, and and Christmas dinners. You know? When things have to be a certain way, you know, because because it's always been this way, uh, and then start out like, oh, let's do something different, <laughs> and and then it's like, you know, yeah, why? Um, but when you can keep your seclusion you know, during a a Thanksgiving dinner, you're doing okay. I agree. Thanks, Ron. Especially if you can keep it without ill will rising. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. That's you know, that's what that's all. Yeah. 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 I think that's you, David. That's right. I do not believe that you fall off the wagon, fall off the path until you decide to no longer see for yourself. You're in the practice, and the practice is about being sensitive to pleasure and pain. So there's no failure once you've decided to be on this path. 
lack of judgment that this practice provides allows for that. Yeah. There's no success in not having ill will. It's being aware that you're yeah. in ill will. The hindrances are this manifestation of this these defilements. Yeah. It's simply what they are. There's doubt and there's ill will. There's craving. So it allows for that gentleness. That's what the gentleness is. It's yeah. not like this I've succeeded in the will side of my life. I'm aware of ill will. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. And as I keep developing this mindfulness, I can be mindful. I can be in that place where I'm aware of it. And then that restraint that is like this crude restraint develops into a refined restraint. Yeah. And then it just falls away. And that's what this practice is. Yep. So don't think of a success as beating down ill will. It's not that. I'm aware of it. Jen teaches that so beautifully. Yep. So. Well said, David. Well said by everybody. Um, anybody help? Anything else? Any questions or comments? Okay, I'm going to see you all at dinner tonight before the show. Some of you will be there. Uh, 5.30 at Yaya Noodles. The show starts at 7.30. We'll finish with meta as we always do. What's that? Oh, thank you. It's giving me a hard time today. Come on. What's the matter with you? Uh, a little crooked, but I've always been a little crooked. <laughs> So take a moment to become mindful of your in-breath and your out-breath and let that mindfulness of your breath unite your mind and your body. And these are the Buddha's words on metta from the Karaniya Metta Sutta, describing the qualities of an awake and fully mature human being. This is what is done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. They are able and upright straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented, <coughs> excuse me, and easily satisfied. They remain unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways. They are peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. They do not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. They are always mindful that all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, they are always mindful to not deceive another or despise any being in any state. They abandon anger and ill will with ease, never wishing harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart, the wise disciple cherishes all living beings. They radiate kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, free from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, they maintain refined mindfulness. This is said to be the sublime abiding, 
by not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, and having completed the path, <coughs> excuse me, does not give birth to another moment rooted in ignorance of four noble truths. Thank you for a wonderful class today, everybody. Peace. Almost All made right. it that call the whole time. <laughs> Thank Bye, you, everyone. Brian. Happy holiday. Hello. See you again. Thank you for listening. If you find benefit here and to learn more about the Buddha's Dhamma, please support the continuing restoration and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com.